Hey, Soma family, this is Michael, and this is Soma's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing with others. It's our vision as a church to help as many people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is really just a vehicle to further that vision. We're in a series as a church called Pray First, and we're in a season called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. We always fast and pray at the beginning of the year to stir our faith and our affection for the things of God. We know God's going to move powerfully over this next month, and we want to invite you to join us for 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting from Monday, January 8th through Sunday, January 28th. We hope this message encourages you, and we hope you take away some application to grow in your own life of prayer. Enjoy the message. We're going to finish out Pray First. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 18. And if you're new to this space, the whole idea is bring a Bible if you have one, and uh, track along. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. So even if you don't write down uh, my points or my opinions or any of that kind of stuff, there's, there's definitely uh, a lot of scripture that I'm throwing at you. And so just spend time. You go back and fact check me. And, uh, and so let's just spend some time in God's word. This is 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 18. It says this. Paul says, now, if the, the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory... So that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of his glory. Transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? And it's like, if you're like me, when you first read it, you're like, what is he talking about? And so... What Paul's saying in this passage, he's saying, hey, if God revealed himself in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, in the law, if the glory of God was revealed then, how much more in Christ, how much more in Jesus is God's glory revealed? I'm going to paraphrase that passage for you. And then uh, verse 12, he says this, therefore, since we have such hope, we're very bold. Man, in Jesus, we're very bold. We can approach the throne of God with boldness. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away, Moses would go in the tabernacle. He would experience the presence of God. He'd come out glowing is what the Bible would tell us. But also it would say he would cover his face. Um, the presence of God is so thick, like I'm going to cover my face because people are not ready. But in Christ we are. Verse 14, their minds were not made dull. For, were made dull, excuse me. For to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed. Because only in Christ is it, taken, is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. When the law is read, when people make it about the law. Verse 16, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord Jesus, the veil is taken away. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 18 is everything. It's where we're going to camp out. He says, and we all, anybody who believes and trusts in Christ with unveiled faces because of what Jesus has done for us, contemplate, think about, gaze at Jesus. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So in this series so far, here's the things we've been talking about, different experiences as it relates to prayer. Number, week number one, we talked about talking to God. Week number two, we talked about talking with God. Talking to God as I'm learning the language of prayer, how to pray, 
We talked about the Lord's Prayer. Jesus begins to give language to his disciples on how to say certain things. It's when you're new to faith and you're just kind of, you're paying attention to people that you're aware, like they're just more mature in the faith than I am. They just understand what to say and you're learning what to say. And it could be you're praying around mealtime, you're praying around uh, bedtime, or you just kind of have those rhythms of prayer. It could be you're praying psalms, stuff that you've recited. Talking with God, you get more vulnerable. You begin to share the hard things in life, the good, the bad, the ugly, express gratitude. But also when things are hard, you complain, you just complain in the direction of God. It's lament. And there's a way to do that that has faith attached to it. We talked about asking God, which is what we typically do. Like the American in us, like this is what we're really strong at, is like the list of things that we really desire for God to do in our lives. We begin to ask him. But you can also ask for other people. You can intercede for other people. And so that's talking with God. Last week we talked about listening to God, which is the, one of the biggest things in prayer is like not so much you saying what you need to say to God, but just hearing what God has to say to you. And then this week we're talking about being with God, which we see here in 2 Corinthians 3. And so all of these experiences are available to us in prayer, and they're not stages and that you never have to stop expressing gratitude to God or asking of God or, or, or you know, uh, we're never going to stop listening to hear God. And the more that we mature and the more that we realize how much all of life is just this amazing gift that God has to give us, then uh, we just realize our dependency on him and our need for him. And what he wants more than anything is a relationship with you. And people who have relationships, they just want to spend time. They just want to spend time. The people who are closest to you in your life just enjoy you. You don't have to be doing a thing. There doesn't have to be an activity attached to it. You don't even have to say anything sometimes. It's just like, let's just hang out. Let's just be together. My dad, I remember growing up, uh, he would call us all in the living room. And it was my sister who's younger than me, my mom. And he was like, hey, I need all y'all to come in the living room. We go in the living room. And we sit down. And we're just waiting. And uh, at some point, one of us would be like, so... Like, what, what's up? Like, what are we doing? And, and somebody was like, you know, did you need anything? Do we have anything to... Did you want to say something? Or he's like, what are you talking about? Or like, you called us in here. He's like, yeah, I just want to be together. Like, I just want to be in the same room. And, and it's, that, it's that idea of, like, there's a level of intimacy. There's a level of knowing. There's a level of, like, desiring to just, I just want to spend time. And this is a part of prayer. It's a deep part of prayer. As a matter of fact, I'd say it's hard to touch this part of prayer without learning how to talk to God talk with God, listen to God, but we'll get to a place where we just want to be with him. And that's really what he desires more than anything else. Um, early on in a relationship, we have a lot of words and a lot of activities to get to know each other. How many of you, you remember dating season of life where you just stay on the phone till like 3 a.m. back in the day? Just me? No, come on, whatever. Like, you, like, yes, thank you, honest people. Like you stay, like early on in the relationship, you're like, yeah, I love you so much. Tell me everything. You're like, you're wanting to know all the things, download all the information. You don't even like the phone, but you're willing to listen. You know, you're, you're falling asleep on the phone and, uh, or you have a lot of activities because you're like, I really want them to like me. And if they're just spending time with just me, I don't know if that'll hit so hard. So we need to go like do some things together. But the more that you, uh, the more that you develop in that relationship, the more comfortable you are with being with one another. And, and you're not dependent on some of the things that you used to be dependent on. The more you develop in that relationship, the, you enjoy just, just spending time just being together. And so this is what being with God is all about. What if we could just get to a place in our union with Christ? 
in our life of prayer, we're just completely comfortable being together. Where we're just complete, we could just be quiet, we could just be silent, and it's not weird. We're not there yet, but but like we, but you can get you can get there. So that so here's the thing. Uh, today we're hitting this topic of being with God, and a key word for this type of prayer, Paul tells us, is contemplation. Contemplation. We who with all all of us with unveiled faces who are in Christ, we contemplate the Lord's glory. That is, we contemplate Jesus. Think about Jesus. Gaze at Jesus, and we get transformed as a result of doing it. And he's saying, hey. We used to do it through the law, and there was some glory attached to that, like God revealed himself through the law. How much more in Jesus do we get to experience who God is? And so it's a comparison and contrast between the law and the spirit, between a time where God's presence was reserved for one person. Priests would go into the temple, go into the Holy of Holies, and pray for everyone. Like he would, he would meet with God for everybody else. And in Christ, you and I, get, we get to experience the same thing Moses did. Let that hit. And so that's what Paul's trying to say is we can be with God in this way. Look, at, look back at verse 18. He says, we all who with unveiled faces, that is unveiled meaning uh, completely known, completely loved, completely honest, like you don't have to cover up. You don't have to like you're just com- you're unveiled. Um, and imagine a bride removing a veil on a wedding night to reveal herself, nothing to hide, fully known, fully loved. I'm, I'm, it's me. And so unveiled faces, we contemplate the Lord's glory and we're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. And Paul, he uses this language, contemplate, contemplate the Lord's glory. And the word contemplate means to gaze. It means stare at, just take it in, just think about, take it in the Lord's glory. And the one word to describe glory, um, is the presence of God and what came with his presence was who he is. So we're thinking about the goodness of God and the grace of God and the truth of who God is and the fact that he's just and the fact that he's merciful and the fact you begin, you just begin to think about who God is. And as we think about it and as we stare at who he is, we're changed. Paul uses the word transformed. And transform means you were like, you were one thing, now you're a new thing. You were one thing, in Christ now you're a new thing is what Paul's trying to say. And, but he also says this is something that doesn't just happen overnight. Which is the frustrating part about the Christian. Like, you know, you come to faith in Christ really excited, surrender your life to Jesus. And you expect like next week for everything to just be. But, you know, your predispositions are where they are and your context is the same. And some of your struggles remain because... It's a, it's a transforming work. It's not something that just happens overnight. It's a process. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a process. It's a process. That's good news. We're being transformed. We're being transformed, but it is a process. And he uses this language. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. You're on your way, okay? Ever-increasing glory in Jesus. And so uh, it, it, it's a reminder that transformation doesn't come from me and you or your work, or your effort, or your own willpower, any of that kind of stuff, but transformation is God's work. Just like salvation is God's work, transformation is God's work. And so the, the way that, the, the part that we have to play in it is 
prayer. The part that we have to pray in, to play in it is gazing, is looking at him, is being with him, spending time with him. And then we begin to be transformed. He does the heavy lifting. So there's three ways that we, uh, three ways that we contemplate God. This is super practical if you're taking notes. The first one is we look at God. The, the second one is we yield to God. The third one is we rest in God. Look to God, yield to God, rest in God. And so the first one, when we're looking at God, it's like when you connect um, with a loved one or a friend or somebody that you know really well. Something funny happens as an inside joke, right? And you just share a look with each other. You don't have to say nothing. You're just like, it's like a bro code too. Like when stuff happens, like, you know, and girls, like just there's, there's an intimacy and acknowledgement that like this thing happened and you and I are syncing up mentally and you just like look at each other. And, and that's, that's that type of, like, when we're looking at God, the whole idea is he already knows you. And the more that you gaze at him and the more that you get to know him and the more that you think about him, the more there's an intimacy and an acknowledgement. It's like when God moves powerfully in your life. Again, you pick an attribute, whatever. Uh, and, and, and he comes through in a specific area of your life, and you just look at him, and you're like, I see you. That's awesome, right? You don't even have to say anything. You're just acknowledging who he is. This is the idea is we're looking at God. And so um, I think specifically the area of attributes, thinking about what does the Bible have to say about who God is? And as always, if you're struggling with the idea of gazing at God or getting to know God and an intimacy with him, the best way to get to know God is Jesus, and so the Bible tells us Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so if you're having a hard time wrapping your head around like, who is God? This is the reason why Jesus comes, because he's God made manifest. And so the son comes to display the, hey, he is Christ and this is God on display in human form. And so you look at Jesus, you look at how he engages people, how he loves people, what he teaches, how he lives and, and what he's calling us to do as his followers, and then it begins to give you over to an idea, oh, this is the God that I'm in relationship with. And, um, and so we begin to think about his mercy and his grace, and that he's a God who does not change. He's a God of truth. So you get the idea. And the idea is we take it all in, and, um, and as we spend time with God, we're just looking at him. And it's like if you look at uh, a beautiful sunset, I'm, I'm an ambiance guy. Like, if I'm going out to eat, I like the food, but I like the vibe even more, if you know what I'm talking about. If I'm going on vacation, I like some views. Sunsets are great, and uh, we all love a good sunset. We'll just sit there and just watch. Like, look at that sunset. It's crazy. Sunset's awesome. And, and so you just spend some time just staring at it because it's beautiful and you love it. Let this hit. God made that sunset. <laughs> and that sunset's broken. That's not even like a new heaven, new earth sunset. Can you imagine how those are going to pop off? But it's just like, this is a fallen world sunset, and God made that sunset, and we're all like, man, that's beautiful. That's crazy. So uh, but imagine how much more you would get out of staring at the one who created it. And so this is what, this is what Paul's asking us to do, is spend some time Looking at God, I love what A.W. Tozer has to say. He says, faith is not like a once and done act. It's a continuous gaze at the heart of God. Believing, believing, then is, is directing the heart's attention to Jesus. It's lifting the mind to behold the Lamb of God and never ceasing that beholding for the rest of our lives. And so it's just looking at Jesus. 
and, and spending time with Jesus and just reminding yourself. This is why Paul says you can pray continuously. And he doesn't mean you have to stop and you have to pray out loud or you have to light a candle or you have to go here or you have to. He's praying continuously means I'm thinking about God and who God is to me at work, in the drive to work, in the shower, and the, at, at, on the ball field with, with my friends. It's like wherever I'm at is an opportunity for me to reflect on God and his characteristics. And so that's what Paul's talking about is just continuously uh, just be aware of his presence in your life. And so let's break these down. Look, look at God again. It just means we see things. You and I see things in the physical world. You take things in with your eyes. You also see things mentally uh, in that, you know, ideas and concepts and plans and, and desires. You, you see things with your thought life. But you also, the Bible tells us that we have an eye of the heart, which is how we see one another and how we see God. So you view everything through the heart, Scripture tells us. So the physical world with eyes, and, and yeah, you can have a thought life and you begin to think of things, but, but how you view one another and how you view God is through the heart. And so a loving attention, attention to God, focusing on who he is, giving God our attention, this is what Paul's asking us to do. And so look at him. But here's, a, here's the second one is yield to God. So when it comes to contemplative prayer, we can look at God, but we can also yield to God. And I don't like this one as much, if I'm being really transparent, okay? First one's awesome. Oh, yeah, God's amazing. Look at him. He's, I mean, just I, I love the first one. Second one is like, hey, when God speaks to you and tells you to do a thing, even when you don't want to do it, do it. And, and this one's like, oh, man, yeah. I, I mean, it, this was different from asking. Like, petition is when you're asking God for a, specific, a, a particular thing in your life or intercession where you're asking God to work in somebody else's life, which is good and great. And God asks us to do it. He wants you to ask him. But also there's going to come to a place in your prayer life and in your walk with Jesus where you just realize, oh, the Holy Spirit really wants me to go through this. Holy Spirit really wants me to say this. There's unforgiveness here and I have to address it. There's some sin here and I have to confess it. There's some things that I got to deal with and I know God's asking me to deal with it. And I'd rather not deal with it, but I, got, you know, I know he's asking me to yield to what he wants me to do. It makes me think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Master class on prayer hours before his death and he's praying thinking about the cross thinking about the moment when the father turns his head from the son where he takes on the sins of the world and he says and if there's another way i would love for this cup to pass but then he ends the prayer how not my will your will let me yield i trust you with this moment i trust you with my life i trust you with the future god the father i trust you and so can you think of a time in your life where you knew God was asking you to do a thing and you were fighting it and then at some point you just let go? You just, you were like, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to yield. By the way, this is salvation. This is also the area of breakthrough for any of us. This is freedom. And so it's the moment where you know God's speaking to you and you're like, ah, and I got I to gotta deal with this. And then what happened when you let go? Because you need to tell some people because they're afraid. You, what happened when you let go, when you yielded to God? Freedom, victory, joy. All the things you thought were going to happen did not happen when God told you. To, if God tells you to do a thing, it's only for your good and his glory. So, like, he frees us because it's like, man, if I say that, 
then they're going to think this, or I'm going to get judged, or this is going to happen in my life. It's going to be over. And then, you, and then you're vulnerable enough to just be like, here I am. And he's like, thank you. And then, and then on the other side of that, it's just like, oh, oh, okay, cool. That was, you know, that wasn't bad. And I just think about Jesus even yielding his life over to the Father. And again, beaten, betrayed, denied, broken body for you and I gives his life over. But three days later, conquers hell, death, the grave. And you and I have victory because Jesus is victory. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. We just sang about it. his name is above every name. And it's because he yielded. And so we look at God, we yield to God. And then here's another one. I love this one. Rest in God's love. This prayer, this type of prayer, contemplative or really just being with God is like, is, is, feels like rest, which is why I love it so much. When Paul says pray continuously, he's saying, hey, would you just think on the heart of God? Would you just be mindful of Jesus, who Jesus is? Would you just spend some time in his presence? And it just requires, it's not, I mean, because intercession and, and um, asking God, petitioning for yourself, that's work. Like, it, it takes, it, it's work. The Bible tells us it's literally spiritual warfare where you're just sitting around and you're taking inventory. What are all the things that I need to be praying for? And I need to come back consistently and ask. And I need to be specific. A lot of us, our prayer life, we're just like, Lord, fix it. You know what I mean? Just get it all, Lord. You know, instead of being like, no, I want you to address this area. And I want you to work in this area. And again, it's work. But this type of prayer, being with God, just feels like resting in God's love. And so uh, being with God, uh, it, it's like compared to all the other types of prayer that we fit, it feels like Sabbath. It feels like rest. Matter of fact, um, uh, people who are Orthodox Jews can't, uh, can't do intercessory prayer or, or petition on Sabbath because it's work. But they can pray this prayer on Sabbath because it's rest. So the idea is to spend time with God. And so contemplative prayer is how we experience the love of God. It's also how we experience the answer to Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3. Listen to this passage. So good. Familiar. You're going to recognize it. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So Paul tells us, hey, being with God, looking at God is how you are filled with God. You want more of God in your life? Spend some more time staring at Jesus. Spend some more time reflecting on who Jesus is. And it just does something. There's the reason why church hits so hard. There's the reason why services for 21 days of prayer hit so hard. is because we have facilitated a space for us to just stare at Jesus. And it's like if we could build that own discipline in our lives every day, wherever we are, oh, how much more would it open you up and give you over to what God wants for you? Because our, what we think about, what we stare at, it matters. And so this is a prayer where we receive our identity, not based on our hustle or our performance, any of the things that we tend to think about, but who God says we are. This prayer gives life because the focus is not on us, it's on God. Isn't that awesome? 
Like being with God in contemplative prayer is not about your situation. It's just about who God is. And so it's so freeing. Um, your life is going in the direction of whatever it is that you think about. That's where you're headed. Where, where, whatever you're thinking about, what, uh, what do you stare at? That's who you're becoming. And so people who spend hours a day reading political news, okay, are, how, um, are they kind and compassionate? Are they open-minded? Are they a little angry? Are they a little bigoted? Are they a little stressed out? Why are they stressed out? Because it's a hot mess. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter what, doesn't matter who you listen to. Pick your poison. But if you spend a lot of your headspace on that, it's just not people who spend all their time on social media. Are they secure? No is the answer, right? They just spend, spend time comparing themselves to other people. Uh, they're anxious. People who spend a ton of time watching trash on a phone or a streaming service, TV, whatever, tend to be lustful, tend to be addictive, tend to be compulsive. Whatever you look at, whatever you think about, that is what you are becoming, is what Paul says. So, I mean, we need to guard our hearts and our minds and begin to just be with God, spend some time looking at him. It only makes sense that instead of focusing on us and our prideful pursuits, what if we looked at God? Because what we think about determines the direction for our lives. So the question is, what do you think about? What, what do we spend our headspace on? What do we stare at? Um, I, Brooke, uh, my wife, she's leading me in this area. Like she spends a lot of time in like she has an A.W. Tozer Attributes of God book that she reads. And she's really just spending a lot of time thinking about the attributes of God. So if you're struggling to really think about how can I get to know God better? Again, Jesus, he's the image of the invisible God. But also just spend some time. There's some great resources out there. Who is God biblically? This is who God is. And then begin to download that information. Just sit and stare at who he is because we, we become whatever we stare at. Which is why the best way to become like Jesus is to look at Jesus. And, and you know, you and I, we have this, um, that's the way God designed our brains, by the way. Um, we have mirror neurons where we just do whatever it is that's around us, whoever's around us, we just begin to mimic. This is why people who've been married for like 50 years start to look like each other. You know what I'm talking about? And this is the reason why you have a dialect. This is the reason why you talk the way that you talk. Because you just pick up whatever, you know, it's so the whole idea is whatever we're around, whoever we're in front of, whatever we look at, that's who we're becoming. And so um, when we think about Jesus and the love of God in Christ, it, re, it reworks our brain. Paul talks about renewing our mind, and this is what renewing our mind is like. It makes us more compassionate. Psalm 34, it says this, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Which is to say, you can get to a place in your walk with Jesus where you are set apart. People notice something different on you. Like, hey, that's different. And also in such a way that you don't have shame. And I know for some of us, we're like, there's no way. It's like, I got a lot of that right now. But again, there's no shame in Christ as we spend our time looking at him. Here's some things, just a few obstacles that we have, and I'll close with this. Some things, some things that will get in the way of us being with God and us gazing at Jesus and us thinking about him. Number one is just distraction. 
if we've learned anything over the course of 21 days of prayer and fasting is, hey, if we set down some things, not even always bad things, they could be good things, just not God things, in order to experience more of him, oh, how much more does that hit? So what are the things that we can do to limit distractions in a space and a time where we are more distracted than ever before? We have so much pulling at our attention, so many things you can pick up and look at instead of, hey, let me just not be distracted. And so start to think of God uh, and, and just focus on him. And prayer is hard in this area sometimes because we'll start, we'll like start real strong. Contemplative prayer is hard because it's all right here. And you got a lot going on right here. Ooh, it's scary for some of us. We've got a lot going on. And so we'll start thinking about God and his goodness and faithfulness. Yeah, I'm thinking about God. Yeah. All right. What are we going to eat next? Okay, cool. Now I got to get my tire fixed. You know, like you start you're going off on all the list of things to do or what somebody said to you or anyway, instead of being able to focus. And it doesn't mean that you're bad at, at praying. It just means you're human. But it's a discipline to build. And here's what's so cool. When you get distracted and you will, it's always it's just an opportunity for you to just come back to God. How cool is that? You get distracted 17 times in contemplative prayer, boom, come back to God. And guess what? He's not like, man, you're so distracted. He's like, yeah, come back. Like, he's just so excited that you came back. So just spend time with him. Here's the next one is we hurry. This gets in the way of us being with God. We're in such a hurry. Oh, man, we're so busy, have so many things pulling at us. And, and we have to force ourselves to hit pause when, we're, when we want to live life this way and we want to really spend time in God's presence. You just have to be willing to stop. That's the reason why we Sabbath, by the way. That's what Sabbath is biblically. A willingness to just set aside time to rest and reflect. And you should do daily. We talk about tithing, time, talent, and treasure. You should, you should give God the first part of your day. This is the reason why we structure prayer on the first part of our day, by the way, because the rest of your day is so much better when you spend the first part of your day praying for the rest of your day. Not that you can't pray for tomorrow, tonight. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying it just hits different when you, when you put God first in this area. And so um, we can't be in a hurry. Care enough about your soul and the direction of your life to not be in a hurry spending time in the presence of God. Just be with him. Again, you and I know those people in our life that we don't even have, like, those close friends who just get us, that you don't have to, like, over-program or have a lot to do. You just want to be with them. And God desires an intimacy with you even more than that, where you can just be with him. And there's an awareness and an acknowledgement and a desire to just be in his presence because you know that he loves you. But we're all, man, we're all in a hurry. What if we gave God our most precious resource, our most expensive asset, our time? Because the time you've already spent, you're not going to get back. And the time that you have remaining, it's not much. And the older I get, the more I realize it goes fast. I was looking at like, I was looking at my wife's phone yesterday and she had like one of these memories uh, things pop up where they put like all the pictures from that date, you know, and as they put it to music it's like my kids when they're little swinging on swings and I'm like, ah. like I'm like, I'm like ugly crying. And she's like, what is going on? And I'm like, ah, it's so big, you know, like, and I'm just, I'm having a moment. And, but for real, like, it's sad. It's like, oh man. And, and what if we spent our life mindful of the fact that, man, God has created you to commune with you. And we spend our whole life without being with him. What a sad thing. 
what a sad thing. It's like, yeah, but, you know, like, I mean, this game is on. or Like, whatever the things are that we, it's like, just create a moment to spend some time with God. The main thing that we get out of prayer isn't answered prayer. And answered prayer is awesome. The main thing we get out of prayer is God. That's what you get out of prayer. And I know that we, like, we have our list and we have our agenda when it comes to prayer. But if more than anything, if you were willing to just spend some time with him and learn from him, he would teach you some things. Your agenda would look so dumb in comparison to the things that he wants to teach you. Again, it's about spending some time with him and we get God out of prayer. Here's the last thing that can keep us from breakthrough in contemplative prayer, being with God, and that's our inner unrest. Because whatever is in you, as you turn off distraction, as you turn off noise, as you spend time with God, gets louder. Which is why we have, we love distraction. Even down to, let me do more religious activity. Because then I don't have to really deal with my business. I don't have to deal with my stuff, right? But when you're really spending time getting quiet before God, spending time with him, Holy Spirit will speak to you. And he'll tell you, hey. I'm going to say it again, but, you know, this thing we've been dealing with for like 20 years, we don't have to deal with it anymore. Or stuff that happened yesterday, stuff that happened to you, things you did to yourself, it begins to come out in, in, in being with God. And we don't like this, but it's things like anxiety, hate that you have for somebody else, vengeance, unforgiveness, pride, bitterness. And we begin to just unload the hard things that we've been through or things that have happened to us. But, man... It's such a gift because it's a way for us to process in prayer and then give those things over to God. And as we pray, we realize that we've run away from our problems with business and distraction and even, and even religious things. Like if I just do another Bible study or if I just go to this event or if I just whatever. And it's like, hey, I just wanted to, I'm going to speak to you. Like just turn it off for a second. And so if we're going to pray this way, like the Apostle Paul tells us, hey, if we'll just stare at Jesus and focus on him and contemplate, if we'll gaze on Christ, he'll transform us if we spend some time in his presence. But if we're going to live this way, we have to be intentional. And it means we have to begin a lifestyle that will allow for it. So if you've never done it before, I'm begging you, create some margin for prayer. Create time to just spend time with God. No amount of attending a service or going through some kind of system or program is ever going to do for you what the Holy Spirit will do for you as you spend time before God. It, prayer. And, and he desires to meet with us and he desires to give you over. It's not scary. He wants to just give good things to his kids. He wants to love his kids. And he wants to give you over to more. And the way that we do that is looking to him is yielding to him is resting in his love for us but we have to have enough like trust and enough faith to just get there so um, as we talk today just ask God hey what does that mean for me what do you have for me and then ask him to give you the desire and the courage of conviction to do something with it because again, he's tra he's transforming you. But just spend some time. We're gonna do. We're gonna practice this right now. Let's just close our eyes. We're gonna we're gonna practice this right now. I want you to just think about Jesus right now. And again, if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, 
I want, you, I want you to remember back and think back to the moment where you met Jesus, where he met you. In your most broken situation, your most vulnerable moment, the moment you came to the end of yourself and you realized you need a Savior and a Lord, do you remember? I want you to think, for those of you who've been following Christ, think back to the moment, think back to the times in your life where you yielded. Where you let go and then God gave you more because you let go. And I want us all to just think about and stare at this God who loves you, who is for you. And the image of this God, this invisible God, was made manifest in his son who came and lived and taught and performed miracles and totally turned everything on its head. The old way, the law, it had glory, but man, the new way in Jesus, how much more glory that we through Christ can have a relationship with a God who loves us, that Jesus came to lay down his life for us so that we, along with his resurrection, could experience our own resurrection. We are being transformed in Christ. What a beautiful thing that God loves us this way. Would you just look at him?